Anyone getting squeamish? Do we need some smelling? I don't know if we have any smelling salts in the back. Um, now look, before you go labeling, because I don't, maybe you've thought about this, but before you go labeling the God of the Bible as a sadistic flesh mutilator, I want you to hear me out today. What is signified, and, and by the way, if you're visiting with us, we're going through the book of Genesis uh, following the grace of God, the amazing promises and salvation of God through one family in their history. Uh, so I, I didn't just decide randomly to pick this chapter out of the Bible to talk to you uh, today about. Uh, it's just part of Abraham's story, and I thought we should talk about it. Now listen, what is signified in circumcision is something beautiful. And I hope you hear me out today. Of the many things that I could say about circumcision, there are many things we can talk about. I want to focus on just one. And it's this. God's covenant promises are for all of his people. Not just for you and your family. Not just for one nation or one race or one culture or one, uh, one social class. The covenant promotes the covenant that God is talking about here, introducing to Abraham. The covenant promotes a corporate identity for all of God's people across time, across cultures, a corporate identity. And the big idea I want to leave you with today is this. God's grace is for you, but God's grace is for us. And we must, must remember that as well. And I want to talk to you about the personal implications of this covenant. I want to talk to you about the corporate implications of it as well. And finally, I want to talk about the enduring aspects of this covenant. It's personal implications, it's corporate implications, and then what about this covenant makes it eternal, makes it enduring. Now, of course, of course, there are very personal implications for this covenant that God has established with Abraham. It's not a new covenant. You remember Genesis chapter 15 when Abraham split the animal pieces and God appeared before Abram and, and walked through the pieces himself. The Lord walked through the pieces. That was the covenant, but, but this is now a sign. God is providing a sign, a tangible physical sign for this covenant. But if you've been following with us, you may have done the math and realize it's been 24 years since God first appeared to Abram. Since Abram and Sarai first left their home and left their culture and their people and moved out following the Lord. It's been 24 years since God said, I'm going to bless you and through you I'm going to bless the entire earth. Ishmael, Abraham's like illegitimate half-son, Ishmael's 13 years old. 13 years old. And now, after 13 years of things backfiring um, with Ishmael's situation, over two decades after God first appeared to Abram, uh, God says to him in verses 1 and 2, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Now, blameless there doesn't mean absolute moral perfection, if you're thinking that's what it means. 
A good way of understanding what he means by blameless is full devotion. Complete surrender, absolute devotion to this God. And really, that's what circumcision meant. That's what it signified. It, it was a symbol of being set apart from the rest of the world. To be, in a sense, cut off from the world and its ways and its priorities and how the world identified Abram. And to be set apart specifically for God. God would now identify Abram. And actually, to give you a sense of what circumcision meant spiritually, because that's what it really was about. It, it's pointing to a greater spiritual, spiritual reality that hundreds of years later, the Mosaic law would, would clarify. So if you go to passages like Deuteronomy chapter 10, Moses said to the Israelites, Abraham's descendants, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart. Be no longer stubborn. The prophet Jeremiah said something very similar. Actually, Joshua said something very similar. So you have here, for Abraham, you have a physical sign of really, and here's a word if, if you're a Christian that you understand, it's a physical sign of repentance. Remember, he says, be blameless and walk before me. If you've heard us talk about uh, repentance before, it is, it is the follow-up to your faith. Faith is saying yes to God. Faith is responding initially to God's promises and saying, yes, I agree with this God. That's faith. Repentance is responding to your faith. Repentance is moving forward. It's saying, as Steve Kay has said before, repentance is saying yes and yes and yes to God over and over and over as you allow him while you walk with him to transform you in all the ways of your life and how you think and in your habits and your priorities, what you do. So faith responds to God and repentance is now walking with God. And that is what God's asking Abram to do. One scholar uh, put it this way in, in uh, his commentary on Genesis. What does our salvation cost us? Absolutely nothing. But what does our faith cost us? Everything. And that's what circumcision spiritually signified. Now, what about women? Okay, now, are they excluded? Because only men are to be circumcised? Are they excluded from the covenant? Absolutely not. Look at Sarai. She's also given a new name. This is the sign that women along with men are included in God's covenant. So he says to Abram, your name's not Abram anymore. It doesn't mean exalted father. Your name is now Abraham, father of many. And he says the same thing for Sarah. Her name will not be Sarai anymore, which meant princess, but Sarah, which is, also means princess. But it's a name change. And it signifies her inclusion in the covenant along with her husband. And it's a fitting name because God tells Abraham, your wife, from your wife will come kings and nations. To the ancient peoples, names were very, very significant. You know, quite often we will name people after deceased relatives or people that are important to us in our lives. Or uh, we'll name our children after, well, just really cool names. We really like a name and we name our kids that name. But to the ancients, names were significant. Sometimes they didn't name a person until they started developing a reputation. And, and name, it, it had to do with someone's character. 
and it had to do with their destiny. We kind of deal with that with marriage, right? Sometimes marriage is such a big deal that people change their names when they get married. Celebrities and, and famous people, you find out, changed their names before they became famous. They gave themselves new names because they were trying to make a name for themselves. Like Norma Jean Mortensen. She became Marilyn Monroe. Robert Zimmerman renamed himself Bob Dylan. Paul Hewson now goes by Bono. Sean Carter is Jay-Z. And Peter Hernandez has become Bruno Mars. Stephanie Joanne Angelina Germanata is Lady Gaga. And perhaps my favorite, that little orphan boy raised by priests in Mexico, Ignacio, renamed himself Nacho Libre. It's a good movie. Now here, this is what God is saying to this couple. I am going to make a name for you. I am about to do something great in you, and I am going to give you a name. A year from now, you're going to have a son. And your son is going to come from your own bodies. (laughs) But you may be wondering, so, okay, why circumcision? Why do we have to signify this with something like circumcision? I mean, if you're like, why not? Why didn't they just have to cut their hair off or like a fingernail or something like that? This is why, okay? Circumcision, specifically circumcision, made the covenant more than personal. Circumcision made the covenant a corporate idea. Okay, because if I cut my hair off or my fingernail or my arm, it's just my arm. It's just my hair. Look at Genesis, uh, look at verse 13. God says, so shall my covenant be in your flesh as an everlasting covenant. That's really important. The fact that the covenant is in Abram's, Abraham's flesh. Now, here's why the sign of the covenant involved the male reproductive organ. Because it signified that Abraham's offspring and his his descendants would share in his new status. That his descendants, that his offspring would share in his set-apart, cut-off-from-the-rest-of-the-world status. The covenant was in his flesh, meaning that his descendants would be redefined, would be renamed, would not be like the rest of the world, just like him. Genesis 15, which we looked at a couple of weeks ago, when God said, you're going to have an heir, and that heir is going to become a great nation, and and your descendants are going to inherit this land. That was for Abram. That was for Abraham. But Genesis 17 is not just personal. It's corporate. This is all about his family. This is all about his descendants. The Lord went on to say in verses 7 and 8, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. 
So we already know he's, he's Abraham's God. And now he's saying, I am going to be the God of your, of your, um, of your descendants. And then we're told in verse 26, Abraham, he did it. He obeyed. That very day, Abraham and his son Ishmael were circumcised. And all the men of his house, those born in the house and those bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Now, this is what I meant by saying that circumcision actually signified a beautiful thing. And here you see it right there. Do you realize this? It wasn't just Abraham and his son Ishmael. It was every man in his household. Now, remember, he was very rich. He had a lot of wealth. He had a lot of possessions. He had a lot of cattle and livestock. He had servants. Some of them were born in his own household. Some of them he picked up along the way. Some, some, some of them came from other families, from other parts of the ancient Near Eastern world. But they were all given the sign of the covenant. That's really important because it means this. It didn't matter if they were young or old. It didn't matter if they were free or if they were in servitude. It didn't matter if, if they were part of Abraham's household from when, when they were babies. It didn't matter if they were strangers from another land and they came in late. They were all included in the covenant. They were all given equal status with Abraham as part of this new covenant that God is establishing. And so likewise, uh, when Jesus ascended and his apostles, through the Holy, by the power of the Holy Spirit, gave birth to the Christian church, the early church, all you have to do is read the book of Acts and then read all the letters of Paul and of Peter. And what you discover is that the early church preached equal status for everybody, slave or free. Didn't matter what their nationality was or where they came from. It didn't matter what their economic social class was, whether they were Jew or Gentile. Everyone had equal status by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what made Christianity in, in the ancient Roman world so compelling. Because everybody shared equal status in this covenant. But it wasn't through circumcision. Read the book of Acts. You see baptism. You see baptism come onto the scene because, and this is important about baptism, the covenant of grace, once the church is established, is no longer about blood. It's no longer about biological inheritance. The covenant, this is what was so amazing about Christianity, is that God's grace was unleashed to the Gentiles. That's what was amazing. And so baptism signified that sign. And so the Apostle Paul, talking about this very issue, in Romans chapter 4, said this. He's talking about Abraham. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. This is what Paul was saying. Whether you're a Jew, and that's what he meant by circumcised, or whether you're a Gentile, that's what he meant by uncircumcised, it doesn't matter. By faith, 
you are all the sons and daughters of Abraham. That's what he's saying. And if you were a Jew, or if you were a Gentile, when Paul wrote those words, that would have knocked you off your seat. Well, it would have been like off your pillow or your cushion, but... And you know, this is why Deep Run Church is committed to local acts of mercy. This is why Deep Run Church is committed to reaching campus students. This is why Deep Run Church is committed to refugee ministry right now in Europe, overseas. We're committed because of what, frankly, this covenant through circumcision represents. It is a sign of what was to come. And we read about it earlier, John's vision of what would someday be a reality. Revelation chapter 7. He looked and he said, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. Does that sound familiar? Is what has God been saying to Abraham? Your descendants are going to be innumerable. No one's going to be able to count your descendants. They're like the stars in the sky. And John looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And John said they were crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And as a church, and, and frankly, as a, if you are a Christian, this should, this should be the motivation of all that you do in your life. That through you, God is preparing the way for this countless, diverse multitude to be full and complete and whole by faith in Abraham's great descendant, Jesus Christ. And so we seek out and we serve and we welcome in whomever God is calling. Because as Peter said in Acts chapter 10, there is no favoritism with God. And you just begin to see this with the covenant of circumcision and how it's given to everyone, regardless of rank and pedigree and status in in Abraham's household. You know, God's grace draws us out. God's grace draws us out of our personal and peculiar perspective. Despite the amazing promise, right, that he's going to have a legitimate son with his wife, Sarah, right, when they are, as the book of Hebrews said, as good as dead. The promise of this, the promise of not only a legitimate heir, but of a nation and and of kings coming out of them, right, despite all that, Abe is reluctant, isn't he? He's reluctant in one sense. Because obviously he believes God. He's overwhelmed, right? Because he falls on his face in laughter. And he's not mocking God there. But he's also, he's also not joyfully worshiping God. It's like this, it's this disbelief. He's blown away. He can't, he can't possibly imagine that this was happen, would happen. But listen to this. Why is he reluctant? Because of Ishmael. Look at verse 18. In the midst of all of this, Abram falling on his face says, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. As a parent, can you relate to this? Ishmael's his son. The kid's 13 years old. 
He knows his son very well now. You can understand where he's coming from. It's his own son. And he wants the blessings of the covenant for Ishmael, regardless of how Ishmael came about. Abraham was committed to raising him and protecting him. And oh, that Ishmael, that Ishmael might live before you. But remember, Ishmael represented Abram's lack of faith. Got to forgive me. I keep saying Abram because I've been saying Abram for the last several weeks. Ishmael represented Abram and Sarai's lack of faith. And, and that's really the issue here that I want to press, press in. While God's ways are clearly not our ways, we still cling to our ways. We know that his ways are far above our own ways, as the prophet Isaiah said. And we worship him and we praise him and we say, we're not God. He alone knows what's good for us, but we still cling to our own ways. And I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this today and this week. What have you pursued in self-reliance that you are still asking God to bless? God's plan is vastly greater than what you personally pray about, than what you personally pursue. But you forget. You forget that God's ways are greater than yours. And you forget that his plan and his promise to you is according to his word and according to his wisdom, not your own. Abraham would forget also, again and again. And so would his wife. And so would their descendants. They would forget the covenant. They would forget the terms of the covenant. They would forget the promises that the covenant represented over and over and over again. Just read Deuteronomy. Read Judges. Read Joshua. Read the histories of the kings in First and Second Samuel and First and Second Chronicles and read the prophets. The prophets, they forgot again and again. So much that as you read through the Old Testament, there are many covenant renewals. Because God knew my people need to be reminded of what I have said and what I have promised them and what I'm doing in the world. But the covenant of grace it endures. It endures despite our forgetfulness. That's what's so great about the covenant of grace. It's not the covenant of works because the covenant of works would fail if we forget to uphold it. And the reason theologians call this the covenant of grace is because God keeps it, not you. That's what grace means, to be given something that we don't deserve. The covenant endured despite Abraham's and Sarah, Sarah's and their descendants' lack of faith, because a child named Jesus was born almost 2,000 years after this couple lived. And Jesus of Nazareth was a biological blood descendant of Abraham and Sarah. Jesus was a Jew, and on the eighth day, he was circumcised. According to the law of Moses, which would come after Abraham, Jesus was circumcised. And that right there is a comfort because God commanded Abraham to do something that many, many centuries later he would submit to himself. And Jesus was circumcised. 
God in Christ submitted to the terms of this covenant. And when God commanded Abraham, um, when God commanded Abraham and said, walk blamelessly before me, he knew that he wouldn't do that perfectly. But Jesus did. Jesus was, he never forgot. He never forgot God's ways. He never put God's wisdom and perspective aside to follow his own peculiar personal interests. Jesus was selfless. And he said on the night that he was betrayed, the night before he was executed, to his, to his disciples as they celebrated the Passover meal, he broke bread and then he poured out wine and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And one scholar said he might as well have said, this cup is the new covenant in my flesh. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The blood of Jesus washes away the sins of those who have not walked blamelessly before their creator. I know that's me. It's everybody in the room. Saul, who would be renamed Paul, wrote this to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Now he's speaking in spiritual terms. You who were dead in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Jesus Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Jesus forgot himself. He completely forgot his agenda, forgot his personal safety, forgot his own will, and submitted to his heavenly father. He forgot himself, and he remembered you on the cross. So now you forget yourself. If you're a Christian, and you want to repent, and you want to walk in faith with the God of the Bible, you have to forget yourself, and remember him. And remember the people around you. Sacrificing your personal peculiar interests. As Abraham and Sarah would have to learn to sacrifice as well. Jesus forgot himself for you. Now you forget yourself. And walk with him. And he will truly show you who you are indeed. He will give you a new identity. Just like Abraham and Sarah. And at least for now you get to keep your name. Remember that by faith, you're a part of something much larger than yourself. By faith, we're a part of something much bigger than our clan, than our family, than our political nation, than our little church and our denomination. We're part of something timeless and eternal and universal and cross-cultural and cross-social. And we see it here in this picture that God gives to Abraham. So grace is for you. Amen? Grace is for you. But grace is just as much for us. Amen? And us means more than deep run church. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. Um, 
thank God. Let's, let's just, as a community, and I want to encourage you to do this today and throughout the week. Thank God for your vast spiritual family. And start investing in it. Start investing in your vast spiritual family so that we can all share in its blessings. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that the Lord Jesus Christ submitted to everything he asked his people of old to submit to themselves. Thank you that he is a shepherd and a leader who does not push us from behind but pulls us from the front, always subjects himself to, to the curses, to, uh, to the pain that he asks us to endure while we trust him. Give us lives of faith to live by his word and not our own. And give us lives of repentance to walk with him as he changes and transforms us. And Father, help us to forget ourselves And remember your word and your promises and by them to remember one another and to remember this community in which we live and where we work to remember the needs of this world. Father, we confess that you are God Almighty. That if you could take practically a one century old couple and make them new parents, you can do anything by your will in us. Give us the faith to agree with that. Amen.